The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 274 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I am excited because we are doing one of our very favorite things, and that is taking listener questions today. Yay! Yay! Yay. I can't believe how long it's been. I like, know. And April. I'm usually, yeah, it was April. I'm usually more on top of this, and we do it about every three months, and we usually do two. And it's funny because it was really at the beginning of staying at home. And so some of the questions had to do with that, some of them didn't. Um, and now staying at home or having modified our lives is so like old news. I mean, we can talk about it, but it was interesting that most of these questions don't have anything to do with pandemic 2020. We've all just readjusted how to live in these, in these unprecedented times. (laughs) And yeah. And I think that also just like the passage of time has felt different. Um, everything has been, you know, what is time even, or Time yeah. has no meaning, that joke um, that we've been making now for, what, six months? It's just, yeah, yeah I, I'm not surprised the time went by quickly and we and we misinterpreted how long it had been, but I'm excited because these really are some of our favorite episodes to do. Yeah, they are. And we got some really great questions. We appreciate everybody who left us a voicemail. Um, and yeah, I, I did find it interesting that some parenting challenges just are the same, whether right. you're in a pandemic or not. I think some are exacerbated a little bit, but listening to these questions, you realize people are getting pregnant and having new babies. People are thinking about school. People are, it's like the, the parenting keeps on happening and it has done, which shouldn't be surprising, but yeah. Well, before we get to the questions, Sarah, we got the nicest message from a listener named Caitlin. And, you know, usually we don't necessarily play every message that we get that uh, it's not a question. It's just kind of talking about this mom, our community and how, um, during times of COVID, it's really hard to get out and meet new people and to even to socialize with the people who are already in your lives. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's like a nod to the community that we have around us, which of course is you and I, but also our Facebook community and, and just like the social media and also just podcasts in general. Um, Yes. Yes. And so I think it would be kind of fun to play that before we go to break and then before we start answering questions. So uh, here is our message from Caitlin. Hi, Megan. Hi, Sarah. This is Caitlin from Corvallis, Oregon. I am a mom of one. Uh, Her name is Cambria, and she is 19 months old. Uh, It's definitely been an interesting season going through quarantine, um, but it's been fantastic being able to look forward to your episodes every week. Um, I am one of the binge listeners. We started listening to your podcast um, after I realized that I needed some mom advice and just kind of mom culture in my life now that we're stuck at home and I haven't been able to spend much time 
developing relationships with other moms, just because I'm the oldest in my family. I'm the first to have a baby in any of my friends or family. So it's been really nice listening to all of your older podcasts and we're all caught up now. So now I have to wait every week to listen to new content, but that's okay because it gives me something to look forward to. Um, we love listening to you guys and hearing all of your advice. And I've become a lot more confident as a mom uh, after listening to you guys. And I almost feel, you know, kind of like we're friends. <laughs> so um, thanks so much for putting out content every week and giving me something to look forward to. Um, Caitlin, that really made our day. Um, and I do think it's very normal to feel like the podcast hosts you listen to are your friends. And I, Megan, yeah. I think I can relate to that as a podcast listener. So um, just know, Caitlin, that there's, you know, thousands of other moms who, you know, are listening to podcasts and not just our podcast, but other podcasts. And we are all kind of connected. I know that sounds yeah. a little woo woo and weird, but um, I, I appreciate that message and um, just grateful for our community. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Okay, so our first question um, came by email from Victoria, and I will just go ahead and read that. Uh, this question is regarding Sarah and her recent relocation. I am just curious how you are dealing with losing your people, as you mentioned in the episode that aired today. So that would have been, when would that have been, Sarah? Like a month ago when we talked a about moving. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We are considering a move about two hours away from our current location, closer to family in a way, but knowing no one else. I'm having a hard time pulling the trigger. I have one school-aged daughter who has herself a few besties. She's eight, a small smattering of friends and a house we built. We are looking for a change for a number of reasons. However, I have dug my way into having a school network, a neighbor network, etc. Just know what I'm super close to. Any advice for me? I'm curious to follow your journey of rebuilding your network for yourself and for your kids. Sarah, well, do you want to take you. that one first? Yeah. Thank you, Victoria. I have to say we got a lot of feedback and questions after the moving episode, which surprised me because it's a very specific right. life change. Like not everyone out there is moving, but it sounds like a lot of you are considering moves. And I know COVID has contributed to that or made us all think differently about where we live and work. Um, I, I love this question. And to back up, I did say when we did our, when I announced my family's move um, last month, I did refer to having, being really dialed into schools and community when we lived in Orange County. And then I'm moving, I moved to my hometown. So I am deeply connected to this place. Like I drive mm. by places that I lived when I was a kid. And like, you know how that is, Megan, because you've moved all around and you've bounced back to places where you lived when you were younger. And it's a, it's a really powerful experience to be yeah. that connected to a place. However, I am not dialed in at all to the parenting family and school community here. There's a few people I know from high school who've moved back. Um, but like, even then your kids aren't exactly the same age or you're not at the same school. And, and now my kids are starting school in a pandemic virtually. So right. that's kind of the background of what I, what I mentioned that we were leaving behind and that I was moving into. Um, so I guess a couple of things I am looking forward to establishing that sense of community here. I do think it will take a while in a pandemic. Um, but my kids are a little bit older, so I, I guess I feel a little more of a sense of general confidence about how school communities work and how, how, how it is I'll meet people. And I know, I know it'll happen. Um, the flip side of that, I also didn't have super duper close bestie friends in my town where we left. So I'm not actually leaving behind any close friends. And it sounds like Victoria, that's your situation as well. Um, my closest friends actually like the way I'm connected to my very closest friends right now is a Voxer group and it's three of us and they're high school besties. And we talk on Voxer like, I mean, almost every day or every other day. And when I go on my walk, I listen to their messages. So my, uh, the part of my friendship, like feeding my soul that's at that deep connection level is already happening virtually. So that didn't change. The part that needs to kind of be replaced is more of the acquaintance network. Um, and I, I do really look forward to that. I had it really, really good in Orange County. I had like 10 neighbors, like my neighbor network was incredible. And then schools um, and just knowing people at schools. And I am someone who derives a lot of security and comfort by just having a wide array of acquaintances. I don't really need those acquaintances to also be people I hang out with in person, but that's such, that's such a unique personality thing. Um, I'm, I'm happy having a lot of my connections be virtual. And then I just like to know, I, I like to see familiar faces when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm at school, I like to feel like I know 
who's around me in my town, but I don't need to have coffee with them. So I, I feel like I don't even know if that answered her question, except that everyone's a little bit different. And there are some things that will take a while to rebuild here. But I other than, you know, my sweet neighbor friends and stuff, I didn't feel like I was giving up that much for what I was gaining. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think you're right that it is a personality thing because you would think I am an extrovert and you would think that means I'm a total social butterfly and want to know. Uh, but there's a lot about that that makes me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Strangely, mm-hmm. like I like to have people like a very small group of people who I hang out with all the time. Like you are just my constant people. And I get almost um, flustered when I have too many mm-hmm. relationships that I'm trying to balance because I think I try to go in too deep on all of them. And well, that's I an Enneagram two thing, don't you yeah, think? Like you yeah. want to be, you want to serve those relationships at the deepest right. level, probably. So it so becomes, it gets... yeah, it becomes overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I think it's just, yeah, I think you're right. Um, that with an older kid like that, like you will start to find ways, um, to rebuild that network. And I just think it's so funny. Like I've lived here for 12 years. Um, and I'm very fortunate that my two, you know, high school best friends, uh, live in the same town as me. So for like the Mm -hmm. first six years I was here, that was all I needed and all I got. And it would now, if you look around, it kind of looks like I slowly built this huge network of friends over 12 years. But actually when I made up my mind to do it, it happened in like a year. So, you know, it's sometimes where you are in life dictates the limits of your friendships more than the time you've, the length of time you've been someplace. Mm -hmm. Because if you find your people, you could have that really strong network within a few months if you really wanted to and and were willing to put the time in. But I just think it does depend. Yeah, it just kind of depends on how you do friends. And I don't think it takes a while to figure that out about yourself. Um, And a move is like a really interesting way like Sarah, you talking about how you're getting certain needs met through your Voxer group and other needs you, you know, will be met eventually mm-hmm. through these other ways. Like it sometimes it takes like a few moves or like readjustments to even figure that out about yourself and how you prefer to do it. So I would look at it as like an opportunity yeah. to do it the way you want to do it this time. Yeah. And um, I also, yeah. I also think with an eight year old and I don't know if Victoria has other children, but she has one school-aged daughter. Uh, yeah. I also think the the time it takes to learn how to get into a school community, for example, um, the first time is a, is a um, more of an uphill, like the learning curve is steeper the first time. And I think yeah. that's what I meant when I said, I've done this a couple of times right. now. And like, yeah. I know how to make nice with the moms in the pickup line. And I know like that there will be one or two that I really maybe want to get together with outside of, but that I, you know, that the rest will just be friendly faces. And mm-hmm. so there's a, there's, it will be easier the second time is one thing I was going to say. And Megan, I was thinking about you and what you just said, and probably you didn't really want or need much beyond Jenna and Missy when you still had little kids at home. And then no, I Clara really was in yeah. school full time. <laughs> yeah. That was when you worked for the radio station yeah. and you were like out in your town a little bit more. So also remember that these things change as your kids get older and you may want, you may, you may want more or you may want less. Like sometimes we need right. to be out at play groups and library and everything when the kids are little, cause we need that social interaction, but you may find the opposite. You may find that you hunkered down when your kids were little and then you're ready to get out there. So things, things yeah. will change. I also think a move could be an opportunity for sure. Um, and I just assumed that the eight year old was, you know, the Victoria's only child. So I'm just going to go on that assumption. Yeah, really I quick. think so too. And but yeah. yeah. And say that I think too, what started to happen for me around the time my younger kids got around that age is that school became way less 
important to me as a way of meeting other parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt very important when they were really little. But I would say like later elementary, almost none of the people who are in my close network um, are people. So now we live in a small town, so often they happen to have kids who go to my yeah. kids' schools. But that's not how we met or that's not why we started yeah. hanging out. And the older your child gets and the more independent they are and the less you uh, care, <laughs> I guess, about mm-hmm. It, it just feels like you start to kind of remove yourself from needing that to be your social, I, I don't know, not even an outlet, but just <clears throat> the mechanism that gets the wheels turning, that starts to change, or at least did for me. And I found that it was outside hobbies, um, yeah, jobs. Which you wouldn't like, have had time yeah. for, by the way. Like outside hobbies right. you don't <laughs> right. have time for when your right. kids are younger. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So I, things will continue to change. And, and yeah, I think it's exciting. Agreed. Well, keep us posted, Victoria, if you decide to make that move. And yeah, and thanks everybody who's um, said very nice things about my move and wanted to follow along. And um, yeah, I think I think moving is something that's kind of fun to vicariously. <laughs> if you're right. if you are staying in one place, it's fun to follow a move. So I will I will keep updating too. Um, okay, we have a question from Danny about potentially adding a third baby, which I would like to go on record and saying that is the most popular question that we get asked yes. is specifically about adding third. a third baby. Yep. It comes in different forms, but that is the number one question we get. So, so Danny's has a specific uh, twist to it. So let's listen to her now. Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Danny. I am in Houston, Texas, and I am a mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I just wanted to get y'all's opinion on Um, you know, if we're thinking about having a third kid, please give me some encouragement and tell me that my older two would play with and entertain each other so that I could focus on a baby. Um, I'm having a hard time right now trying to still play with and entertain my three-year-old when the one-year-old still needs me. And I'm just really looking forward to, uh, the time when they might play together. So I'd love some encouragement. Thanks and love you guys. Okay, Danny, thanks for the question. Um, I always love, by the way, answering questions about like whether or not to add a specific baby. And you're right, Sarah, it's typically the third because I feel like that's when that's when like stuff gets real <laughs> because, you know, any old person will have two kids. But then having a third is like a statement like you're you're really going all in on this baby thing. And it does feel like huge in so many ways. And, you know, the odd numbers and all that stuff. So I guess the first thing I would say, and, you know, I know Sarah is going to speak to how this is all just a big crapshoot and like, we just don't know, (laughs) but I would just say having had several sets of one and three-year-olds, I don't know that you can judge or um, predict how that specific set of kids will play together when they're two and four or three and five. Like in my experience, one and three-year-olds rarely do anything that actually looks like playing together. They might you know, what do they call it? Parallel play. They might play in the same room. They might yank toys away from each other. They might knock each other over, but like, it doesn't ever look like playing the way you Mm -hmm. want your siblings to play. Uh, to, in my house that started happening around two and four, three and five, Mm -hmm. and just got better and better as it went on. Um, so like Sarah, I know that you're going to kind of like speak to this whole, you just don't know thing, but I think that's a big part of it because at the ages they are now, I wouldn't get too down on the fact that they aren't or, you know, like, because I I don't think that age group really does. Yeah. In general. No, in general. Hard. Well, that kind of like teased me up perfectly because what I was going to say, and I relate to this when you're thinking about adding another baby, 
your mind automatically does this thing where you picture, what if I had a newborn right now? Right now. Right now includes these like basically two young toddlers who aren't independent at all, who can't who can't amuse themselves while I like refill a cup of coffee or take a shower. How would I deal with a newborn right now? Well, good news, biology and the way things work means that you unless you're, you know, fostering or adopting tonight, you would have to grow a baby um, for nine months. It takes (laughs) a little while to get pregnant. So picture like a year. So if you think of like, how old will my, will the siblings be a year from now? In your case, maybe it's two and four. And then also picture what your life was like a year ago. So 12 months ago, and think how much things have changed in those last 12 months. And remember that it will change again that much or more in the next 12 months. And maybe it'll take you a while to get pregnant. And we're actually talking about like 18 months to two years in the future. And then it's like, you're not having a baby today. You're having a baby potentially in a future scenario where your children are possibly twice their age. So just like, just, I know it's all like kind of obvious when you lay it out like that, but it's so easy to only know our current reality and forget Mm -hmm. that things change so much. And the other thing, just to like build that out a little farther, when my third was born, my older ones were two and four on the older edges of two and four, like two and a half and almost five, but they were two and four pretty soon they were three and five. And by the time I had like a wild ultraviolet toddler running around, they were four and six. They were in Mm. preschool and elementary school. So it's, it's also like they didn't stay two and four. They eventually, (laughs) even though that was hard to have a newborn, a two and a four was hard. That didn't last forever. Like pretty soon I had an 18 month, a four and a six year old and you know, things felt different. And the four and the six, if we circle back to playing together by then the older two really did play together. And so there's just, you have a lot of, there's a lot going on here that will evolve over time. And then I guess just finally on the note of playing together while you are with a baby, I just don't think, I think you don't know, even if, even if it is a year or two from now, I've had sibling pairs who play really well together. And I've had others who do not like Reed and Violet did not at those younger ages, but now at 10 and seven, they play together all the time. So yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a reason to have a baby or not have a baby because I don't think you can bank. You can't bank on those two, you know, being like a, like an awesome sibling pair who plays for hours. They might be, they might not be. I'm not sure it's the deciding factor. I'm not sure for me, it would be the deciding factor in going for a third. Cause you just don't know. I, yeah. Well, and that, and, and to your other point, even if they don't play together, they'll both be better at playing by themselves by then. Like yeah. they'll both. And you might find that one of them is really drawn to the baby and wants yep. to be like the baby's shadow, um, which is helpful in a totally different way. So yeah, yeah. you just, you just don't know. When you're saying that, Sarah, about, um, you know, how they don't stay newborns forever. I mean, that was one of the things I used to say all the time when people would be like, how can you have five kids? And I'm like, well, it's not like having five newborns. Right. Like all the other ones are getting older as yeah. the newer ones are coming along. It's not it's not like having five. It's, I didn't have quince. There's not like five right. toddlers running around. And I had this memory one time of babysitting my nephew, Jack, when he, so he's about six months older than Owen, I think six or seven months older. And so it was like, Will was, I don't know, like, I feel like they were like, he was just starting to be mobile. Owen was a straight up, or no, sorry, Jack was the older one. Um, So he was like in the middle and Owen was still kind of like a babe in arms. But then Mm -hmm. we had this like toddler babysitting and then William was running around and he was like three. And I said something like, can you imagine if we had another kid, how terrible it would be? And then I thought, oh, but like, 
short of fostering or adopting, there's literally yeah. no way I could have yeah. another kid. Like there's no way to have two kids six months apart unless you right. do it on purpose. Yeah. Like it's just so like, of course that would be really hard, but even if they were a year apart, it would have been different. So yes, yes like that, the spacing makes a difference. And right now, as you wait for this episode to come out, your spacing is already getting longer. Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, it continues yeah. down that path. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, I think we've inadvertently um, encouraged a lot of people to add babies to their families yes. <laughs> or maybe not. Right. we may have some, we have, may have scared others away from it, but it feels like you guys like to tell us when we um, like inspired you to have a third kid. So maybe, maybe in Danny's case we have, or maybe not. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, we're back. And our next question comes from Anna, um, who got a surprise question when she wasn't expecting it from her eight-year-old. So let's hear Anna's question. Hi, Megan and Sarah. My name is Anna, and I live in Indiana. I have three children, a son who is 11, and two daughters who are eight and five. A couple of weeks ago, I was outside with the children and my mom, and my eight-year-old daughter blurts out, Mom, what's a period? And I have to admit, It threw me a little bit off guard. I wasn't expecting the question. 
And I knew this would be something that I would need to discuss with her and start talking about. Um, but I guess I just wasn't really prepared for it at the time. And I told her that we would talk about it later on when we had a little bit more privacy. So I know both of you have daughters who are a little bit older, and I was just curious to know at what age you started talking to them about these topics and if you had any suggestions or advice on how to discuss the topics of puberty and sex um, in an age-appropriate way, or if you had any resources that you found helpful in facilitating those discussions. Thanks so much. I love your show. Okay, Anna, good question. Um, yeah, Clara is 11. So she's got the benefit of having several older female cousins and then those older cousins' friends who are kind of around and she spends time with them and um, she's seen the developing happening around her. There's a lot of chatter around that. So mm -hmm. I would say that with Clara, as with the boys, although it's different because I have actually gone through the things that she, that Clara mm -hmm. is facing, right? It's just kind of this matter of fact conversation. Um, we just talk about BO and armpit hair and like periods and we talk about it casually and with humor and try to really de I felt like as a kid, those topics were very um, like high up on a shelf. Like they were, they mm -hmm. felt like a big deal. And I didn't want to feel like that with her because I don't want her to have to come to me with an awkward question when it's like, it's an emergency, <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, so that's kind of how we handle it. But I also think it's okay not to know how to answer a question in the moment. Like yeah. I do that all the time. I put stuff off all the time. Like you can't always be prepared to answer every single question at any moment of any day at all times, you know? So like, I don't think you did the wrong thing at all. Just saying, you know, let's talk about that a little bit later when we have time or privacy or why I can think about my answer because yeah. you're going to get hit with a lot of humdingers uh, well, when I, about very private things. You know, yes, so. ag agreed. And I, when I re-listened to Katie's question, I realized her mother was also there. So grandma was oh, also there. Yeah. And then the siblings. So to be put on the spot, um, I, I want to emphasize what you just said, which is you didn't do anything wrong. There's no, there's no like a plus in talking to kids about puberty and tough topics. Um, and, and you didn't all miss the that. moment because there's going to no. be a lot of those moments. Yeah. And, and I, not, I had forgotten that too. I would not want to have that conversation in front of grandma either, you yeah. know? So yeah. yeah, you feel like you're it, uh, any other adult listening yeah. to how you are going to take that question. You feel a little bit like you're on stage and it's awkward enough. So just validating that, like, you totally did an okay thing, which is to say, hey, let's talk about this later. Um, I think eight is a great age to start talking about that because as we know, like developing in girls can start even if it's not your daughter, but her friends and people she sees, you know, eight, nine, 10 for sure. So I think that's a great age. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything that's too young. Um, but I will say that when a, when a kid surprises you with a question like that, it's great to get clarity on what prompted the question before you launch into providing every detail. Um, they might not want that. <laughs> well, and they might not even know exactly what they're asking. So right. I have a funny side story and this didn't happen to anyone in my family. It was like a friend of a friend a long time ago, but her very young child asked what a she was trying to ask what a version of a song was like you know how you hear a different version of yes. a song but that also sounds like <laughs> a term for an unmarried woman perhaps um you know what I'm talking about and yes. so she, her mom launched into like the Virgin Mary and a whole biological definition <laughs> of 
that word only to find out that her daughter was asking, what does the word version mean? Like I heard a different version that of that song. That's hilarious. Is that awesome? So, yes. so, and I'm not saying your daughter didn't actually want to know what a period was, but when, when they prompt you with a question, it's, it's totally an opportunity to be like, tell me more about that. Tell me more about um, where you heard that word or yeah. what kind of questions period do you has have several for me? meetings too. And if right. you're like, you know, the end of a your daughter could be like, wait, what? <laughs> What did I just um, get myself into? Oh yeah, my exactly. So a, a, a little probing question in return or finding out what they're curious about. Um, and then, yeah. And then answering as simply as you can and you're not doing it wrong. You just do your best. Then you go back and you Google it and you read yep. a few books and you try again. Um, a couple more specific things. Um, in our family, we talk a lot about science and biology because we're kind of nerdy. And Brian, my husband really loves science and my kids love animals so I have found inroads in talking about bodies and bodily functions. And like, if you think about like animals mating and how like reptiles have eggs and mammals give live birth and we, like you see like pictures of kittens nursing and like there's a lot of biology that happens in the animal world that I have found inroads to talking about like human biology and reproduction and things like that. Um, just just one one easier way when all the kids are around and we're talking about like you know, puppies or cows drinking milk or whatever. It's just has felt like an easy inroad. Um, your pediatrician can also help. Um, I know ours recommended one of the, um, books, the care and keeping of you is a really Mm -hmm. popular one. I'll link that up in the show notes. There's a version one and version two version one and version two for like younger tweens and then older tweens and teens. Um, so you can always buy a book. And then the last thing I will say is some kids ask a lot of questions and some kids do not. And I actually, even though the question that you were given was at like a awkward time and you didn't feel like answering it, I've actually found it easier with the kids who ask a lot of questions. Yes, I agree. There, there are (laughs) kids who will not ask any questions. And unfortunately it's still on us to make sure that they have safe and accurate information. And it's more, trust me, it's more awkward when they are so much harder to bring it up when they don't, when they're not initiating. I totally agree. And they really don't initiate. Like they really don't want to talk about it at all. Like, so they are not going to ask you questions. And, and quite frankly, it would be unsafe not to just ride that out and never talk about it. So you, you know, so maybe be glad that she asked a question at age eight. I think that's a great age. And yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And in our family, we had definitely had a couple non-question askers and I would try to kind of use the question askers as a way to have the conversation with the non-question asker without, without putting them on the spot. Um, And I think that that's kind of leads back to the only last point that I wanted to make is that none of these are one and done conversations. Mm-hmm. These are, you know, now the, the bandaid has been ripped off and you're going to be having this conversation in many forms for the rest of your life. But you know, for yeah. the next 10 years, it's some yeah. version <laughs> of that, <laughs> of that conversation is going to happen again and again and again, and it does get easier. And I think the more you normalize it and like, maybe next time you bring it up somehow, maybe you find a way to just like insert it into conversation or whatever, or I don't even know what it would be you're at the store and you're in the menstrual aisle and yeah, like point some stuff out, like whatever that is, um, those conversations keep happening. And the more they happen, the less awkward they become for everyone, including if you happen to have any of those kids in your family who listen, but don't ask. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so like yeah. the more you could talk about it, the better for everybody. That's, um, convenient for you having four boys in a row yes. that you could just like 
create a little audience. The challenge uh-huh. I face right now with girl, boy, girl is there are some differences and right. the audience is mixed, um, which yes. isn't bad for a lot of things. And I'm not saying they all, they need to be separated out for every conversation. I'm not saying that at all, but the older but they some get, of it, yes. I yeah. don't have, a, I don't have the questions that are being asked by one side are not what the, questions the other side need to be answered to for the yeah. other side. Yes. Exactly. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Um, Anna, you're doing a great job. None of us like this. This is not really that fun for any of us, I don't think. And um, it's worth it's worth muddling through anyway. So you're doing doing a great job. Oh, should we move on? Yeah. All right. So our next question comes from Katie. And um, now I have the song Satisfied from Hamilton going through my head after we listen to Katie's why. question. Just one minute. <laughs> Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Katie. Do you have any advice for handling a kid who is never satisfied? We have three boys, ages five, three, and three months, and our oldest is super active. He always wants to be doing fun things. We write his ideas down and try to schedule them, but it's never enough. For example, we took him fishing this weekend, and before the day was done, he was complaining that it wasn't long enough and asking when we can go again. We also swam and got ice cream, so it's not like the day was short on fun. I know that one day his persistence will be one of his strengths, but right now it's just nonstop. He feels negative and is driving us crazy. It's like it's never enough for him. Help. Thanks for your advice. Okay, Katie, I will refrain from singing Hamilton, Um, but I feel you on this. My first reaction here was this has to be so annoying and frustrating as a parent. I know I am very triggered when my kids feel somehow ungrateful or like, like we've just done some really fun thing. And then they're like asking for the next fun thing. So I just, as a mom to mom validate that this is, you know, really frustrating and annoying. Um, which is why I think my advice would be to largely ignore a lot of it, maybe not all of it, but like 80% of it, um, for a couple of reasons, five, five is an age where he's able to anticipate the excitement of something really fun, like going to the arcade or getting ice cream or going, you know, on a vacation because he remembers the last time he did those things. I know we've always laughed on this show, like until kids are four or five, they don't remember last Christmas or last Halloween. Like they don't remember their last birthday party. So it's like, We know they've had all this fun, but everything's new to them until they're about five. And then they know how fun a birthday party is. They know how fun a roller coaster is. And they are able to look forward to those things and, um, you know, anticipate. But they're not great at like delayed gratification yet. They're not they don't have a great sense of time and they're impatient and impulsive. So it's kind of a perfect storm of like, yeah, he's he's wired to want the fun all of the time. And it might be uniquely his personality to really kind of jones over those um, experiences. But as a mom, I think you can largely just sort of separate yourself from that because it sounds like you're doing a great job. I love that you said you're writing down what he wants to do. You're making sure he he is satisfied. He is he does get to look forward to, you know, a trip to wherever and do it. And then then when when it starts feeling ungrateful or it starts being like, what's next? What next? What's next? I think I would I would ignore that, honestly, because it's uh, he's just not developmentally ready to like appreciate the fact that you went to all this work to ha- have him have a really great day. Um, and and he will eventually outgrow that, I think. So it's almost like separating um, 
what's going on with him as a five-year-old and what's going on with you being triggered by that as a mom and ignore, ignore, ignore. So I will agree with a caveat. Um, I agree though. It is like, this is a personality thing. Some, I think, I believe they are called maximizers. Okay. People who want to get the maximum fun and the maximum like impact out of every situation that they're in. And sometimes that can be kind of paired with like a just in general, not even negative, but like just complaining nature or blurters people like little kids who just say everything they think. Um, Mm -hmm. and that can come out in a variety of ways. And sometimes it sounds like complaining. And I also just to totally like, um, validate Katie that it is so hard not to take it personally. Like you worked so hard to do this thing. And then this kid is just like ungrateful. And that's also a big trigger for me. Um, just like with all things for kids, you know, grumpy kids or anything that, that is not about us. Like we can't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so hard not to take it personally. So I think that I would say at five, I agree largely ignore it. Um, but I don't know that all kids outgrow that without some help because I think there are kids and I know some very, very close to me who (laughs) don't get over the opening their mouth and saying the thing Mm. and need to be coached. Like, and I think you can do it without like trying to talk them out of it. I think that's sometimes is the, sometimes the, um, uh, we're, we're inclined to say like, what do you mean you're not happy? Like, we're like you said, you're like, we're so lucky. Remember we did this. Wait, this is, why aren't you enjoying yourself? Why don't you just enjoy yourself now? Instead of thinking about right. next, like we almost want to like talk them out of their feelings and that doesn't work. Agreed. I don't think. And it creates like this, like, I don't know, it gives it too much energy or something mm-hmm. and that it takes away your energy. But I do think it's okay. Maybe not at five, but, but maybe soon after to say something like, you know, dad and I worked really hard to put this together and it doesn't really seem like you're happy. And sometimes that's just kind of a bummer. And I don't think you need to make a big yeah. point about it, but I think pointing out that a kid's words, even at five or six or seven have an impact. Maybe you can ignore it, but maybe grandma and grandpa can't like, it, it's yeah. like, not just, you're not just doing this for you, but you're doing it for other people who are maybe going to try to please them in the future. And it's not like you're acting them to asking them to act or pretend it's more just like, you know, sometimes the nice thing to do is take a moment to appreciate what you have going on instead of, instead yeah. of saying the thing on your mind about how you're unhappy. And I, I don't know exactly what age that starts. I think, I think it depends a lot on the kid and the situation, yeah. but, um, yeah, but I don't think all kids outgrow it. I think sometimes it's just like in, it's just in them to kind of be complaining and they have to be shown that sometimes like the polite or kind or compassionate thing to do is to think the thing and let it go and yeah. not to just say it just because they can. I I love that. I think that is an important clarification for sure to what I said. And I agree. I think as kids get older, that um, thinking about others, that empathy muscle strengthens and that's an important awareness to bring to them. So I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, I wanted to share that something that Reed used to do that I think was like a part of anxiety was uh, wasn't so much of not being satisfied, but if he'd had a really good experience, like let's say we went to like the arcade and we got ice cream after and we had like a really good day, he would want to repeat that to the letter, like almost an obsessive um, and yeah. would look forward to doing that exact same thing again. And we'd be like, but buddy, what if like, what if the next time we have a free Saturday, we do something else awesome? Like we go for a bike ride on the beach and we get pancakes. And it was like, no, I need to repeat that exact 
pleasure experience. So I just think it's interesting that kids are, especially at that age, like really learning to grapple with big desires. Right. And like big, like swings of like, oh my gosh, it was so fun. I need more. And I think you're right. There's a, a maximizer personality, um, probably in there. And I love what you said about, um, kind of coaching them to broaden their perspective a little bit as they get older. Yeah. And, and I think a lot, you might be, it might be also an anxiety thing with, with that. And I'm thinking I am kind of, I identify with the maximizing of almost like getting close to the end of one experience and wanting it to be done so I can get to the next one because Mm. there's like an anxiety around the fun ending. It's so Mm. weird. Um, I used to be that way with, um, like Broadway shows and not that I was seeing a lot of Broadway shows when I was a teenager, but if I saw like a musical, which is like one of my very favorite things to do sometime in like the sec, like the toward the end of the second act, I would start to feel antsy for it to be over so that it, I didn't have to experience it. And I don't, it's a really weird, Interesting. I can't even describe exactly what the feeling yeah. was in me, but it was almost relief when it was done mm-hmm. because then I could stop worrying about it being done and I could start thinking about the next one, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I think I've kind of just gotten over it with age and like, realizing that when one fun thing ends, there's always another fun thing coming, but it takes sometimes kids time to learn that in their bones. So, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, the final thing I was going to say on this one is anytime your kid is working on something like this, um, I think catching them in a good moment or catching them with, uh, some growth in that area and just praising or complimenting. Um, we do this a lot in our family because my kids are all so different and they're all working on different things, but I will say something like, you know, Reed, I know it's really hard for you to be flexible when plans change. And that's something you're working on. And you are so flexible today. And I appreciate that. And I would say that right in front of the girls who don't have a problem being flexible. And I'm not going to compliment them on that because they're not working on it. So everyone's kind of working on something else. So little opportunities to say, I know this is particularly hard for you because you are like a fun junkie. Don't say that to your kid, but like a fun, (laughs) like you love, you love the next fun thing. And today we couldn't get to the next fun thing and you rolled with it. So I really appreciate that. And that you can start doing, I think, at age five. And it's just, yeah. you know, just little things. But um, appreciating when they're working on that hard stuff, I think, goes a long way. So, yeah, agreed. All right. Well, Did we solve this, it. And we saw as, as usual, we've solved we solved, no, all we've all solved, of it. <laughs> solved none of it. You guys are brave to allow us to dive into your parenting challenges. Um, Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And just a reminder to check out our sponsor, Dermatology, and that $99 skincare bundle that they are offering is a really good deal. It ships really fast, so it'll be on your door in a couple days, most likely, depending on where you live. And um, both Megan and I are using and loving these products like every day. So that is the momhour.com slash skincare, or just look for the link right in the show notes on your phone, wherever you're listening right now. Yeah, go check that out for sure. I love Dermatology's products. And we'll be back with you next Tuesday with another listener questions episode. Talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code The Mom Hour to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.